Smooth up in you. That's right. You're getting smoothed up in you when listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 15, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 159 and X-Men number 100 from May 1976. Welcome to the 15th episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Oh, wait, that's not mine. But anyway, Crusader Chronicles is a spin-off podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues from their release date. Sometimes I will be joined by fellow podcasters and friends, or sometimes it just may be me alone. Which hasn't happened. Fifteen issues, <laughs> fifteen episodes, and I haven't been left alone. Yeah, it might be time I, to edit that. Yeah, I, I think I might have to change that. But either I'll be joined by my fellow Longbox Crusade crew or by other guest hosts. So, with that, the goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection, and it is definitely growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Now that's one to grow on. Hey. <laughs> Joining me this episode is the, the one, the only, Jarrett, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. Because I'm never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. I think Don't we did it. It's easy to pretend. <laughs> no rhythm. A lot of fools. Delvin. Children don't let us eat your friends. Waste this chance that I've been given. So I'm never, never gonna never dance, dance again <laughs> the way I dance with you. <laughs> Once upon a time, I don't remember what it was. We did a George Michael opening, and I was just in the mood. Thanks for having me back again, Pat Sanson. I'm excited to be here. And if it's all right with you, I'm going to introduce my brother. Go ahead. Jason Albrick is on today's show. Welcome back, Jason. Thank you. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. So glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. And before we pass this off to Delvin, I think we've got an item of business today. Got a birthday boy. I think we should sing happy birthday now that's in the public domain and we can't get sued. Do you want me to sing it in my happy birthday? Oh, like you did for my mother, you son of a <laughs> or you guys want to join me? Go ahead, dude. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Take it. Happy birthday to you. Oh my! This is this oops. dark web. I'm starting to sweat. This is too much. Happy birthday to you. Chicka chicka chow chow. Big slider. Big slider. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear dark web. Delray seventy six. <laughs> With other day, silver hands. Silver hands. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Pat. <laughs> thank, thank you, um, Jared and Jason, for the drop-ins. Good group of guys to be hanging out with on birthday number forty-one. Goodness oh, gracious, man. that's hilarious to me. How are you? I know. Dead? The hell, <laughs> liar! Is that jujitsu? Keeps them young and active. What is going on here? My goodness! But yes, it is great to be here. Let's uh, kick this podcast butt. Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's tickle some tummy feathers and kiss some sweetums. Don't want to kiss some chubbins, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, chubbins, chubbins need love too. Now, come on, yeah, now. Yeah, depends on <laughs> your definition of a chubbin. Maybe something. <laughs> yeah, I think our minds were going in two different directions on that one. <laughs> Oh, well, it's great to have you guys here and with me for 15 episodes. Can you guys believe that? 15 episodes? 15 episodes, wow. man. Man, yeah. I think and we've officially strong. been making uh, progress here. <laughs> that's that's, that's show, a whole man. bunch of hijinks and tomfoolery. Yeah. It's not even including Longbox Crusade and uh, yeah. Saturday Matinee Theater and Honor Manage Secret Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. yeah, well over the 30s and all that we've done so far. That's episode, right. So. And, somebody and none of our a... wives have left us yet. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about this. Uh, well, that part of the plan isn't working yet. <laughs> I meant it is a good thing, Pat. Or should I say, Pat? Oh, 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 And let's not forget the full props because we can't mention this enough. Pat Sampson put together 12 episodes in a row for uh, each day of Crusademus. Oh, he yeah. put out an episode every day for 12 days of Crusademus. Yeah, that was a monumental feat. And those were quality episodes, too. They were fun. Go out and listen to them, folks. They're out in the feed. Just scroll back some or however. Scroll up, scroll down, whatever you got to do on your casting device there and listen to those old Crusademus episodes. During that whole thing, that that whole event, and an homage to uh, Happy Gilmore, Delvin and Jared and I were, were all like, Hey, Pat, good news. <laughs> Editing's been scheduled for another six hours. <laughs> That was like, <laughs> my fingers hurt. <laughs> now your we back's like, going to hurt. Now your back's going to hurt because you've got to do on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, too. <laughs> Anybody else's fingers hurt? I don't think so. Uh, yes, yes, you guys. We love Give you. me work. We give me, you give me work to do, but I enjoy it. So. You do it too well. You haven't learned the old, the old adage, man. Do things yeah. and they won't ask you to do them anymore. Well, I figure if, if I don't do them anymore, then when I have my ideas, no one will help me with. <laughs> Pat, I, I Pat, do Pat, have well, good ideas. You I got do have ideas. good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing was your idea. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on Delvin and Jason was my idea. Uh, uh, can't all be winners <laughs> oh, I was going to say oh for 2 ain't bad but that's, that's about as bad as you can get yeah, yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> Meatloaf once said 2 out of 3 ain't bad <laughs> well anyways yeah great yeah. episodes Pat does a lot of work we love you Pat and happy birthday yeah. to Delvin and Jason you're just happy. a great brother there compliments for everybody <laughs> there we go Aww. We're starting this off on a positive note. I like it. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you guys didn't make fun of me at all issues. while I was still around trying to get in on this call. I'm sure I won't hear anything in the outtake. Of course. No, we are professionals. <laughs> Just because I keep track of the show for you, Pat, I think we haven't officially introduced Delvin yet. <laughs>
I, oh, I, was, I was sunk Bob in. I, I believe that counts as an introduction. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, everybody knows Delvin. Come on by now. All right, well, I think with that, we'll get started with the show. Why? Now that our pleasantries <laughs> are over with. Because we got to get to it. We got to get to it. That, that's what the, we got to give the people what they want. I'm they, itching they, to talk they, about Spider-Man and X-Men. Let's do it. They come for the comics. Or, or one of stay them. For the, <clears throat> but stay for the fun banter, right? J- Jason yeah. said that he's ready to talk X-Men and Spider-Man. I said, well, one of them. One of them. Uh-oh. Well, we'll find out what it is. But before we find out what it is, we will get to a quick podcast promo break, and then we will be right back. The Too Old, Too New Podcast, a show dedicated to reviewing books from the bins and recent reads. I'm Bill. And I'm Seth. Be sure to listen to us on our Too Old, Too New Comic Book Podcast, where we talk about two old comic books and two new comic books every episode. Comic book fans don't miss out. Too Old, Too New is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. Welcome back from the break. This episode's first comic issue is Amazing Spider-Man number 159. Publisher by Marvel, cover date of August 1976, but its on-sale date was May 11th of 1976. Got a cover price of 25 cents, but there are some variants out there for 30 cents an issue yet. They haven't jacked that up yet. Not yet, it's coming. Uh, writer, it's coming, definitely is coming. We got an editor of Len Wein, writer... Len Wein, Delvin's special person. Yeah. (laughs) Penciler is Ross Andrew. And inker is everybody's favorite, Mike Espotito. Espotito. He's making this comic book neato. Stop it. Just keep going, Pat. (laughs) Editor is Joseph Rosen. Rosen, Rosen, Rosen. (laughs) Color artist is Glennis Ween. If you want to follow us along, and we do hope you are following us along and reading along with us, you can find this in Marvel Tales number 136, or it was also reprinted in the Essential Spider-Man Volume 7 trade paperback. So you can check it out there, or you can probably find us on Marvel Unlimited as well. And we hope you do follow along with us and then read and then listen along. We got cover credits also Penciler Ross Andrew with Inker is again the one, the only Mike. Say it with me now. Mike Expedito. Devin won't stop me, no. I want to give a big shout out to, speaking of Mike, I want to give a big shout out to Mike's amazing world. He has helped us along with getting that credit information so that comes from mike's amazing world thank you mike let's get to the cover jerry go ahead and tell us what the cover is. all right i'll paint a picture for you yeah okay guys this is a ross andrews so you know that the drawings are pretty good lots of action going on here so let's start with the bric-a-brac of the cover i know we like that word here this is a classic 1976 amazing spider-man cover with the classic amazing spider-man logo with webs this time got the marvel comics group banner going across the top in yellow and you've got the standing spider-man and the little imprint up in the corner. The overall background color is blue with a burst of yellow color in the middle. And who's bursting through the middle but Hammerhead? He's flying right between and knocking down to his right, Spider-Man, to Hammerhead's left, Dr. Octopus. Octopus arms are flailing. 
Spider-Man's also flailing and Hammerhead's just kind of laying him out like a bowling ball going right through a couple of pins. Like two chumps. <laughs> That's right. Hey, he's just blowing right through those guys. And he's saying with word balloons on the cover, out of my way, you pitiful has-beens. Hammerhead is coming through. This time, not even death will stop me. And that's about it. Spidey's in his typical red and blue togs. Doc Ock's got on his orange and green togs. And man, Hammerhead's looking very dapper in a pinstripe navy blue suit. And that is your cover. Back to you, Pat. All right. Well, let's see what everybody thinks about this cover. We'll start with Delvin. Good cover. For some reason, I think Hammerhead will look better if you were a little bit bigger, maybe, and running, like, upward towards the cover, it would look more impactful. I, You know, of course I got that he was bulldozing through, but I don't know. That downward angle, for some reason, just took something away from me. But it was good action for the cover, so I did like it. I thought it was good. What do you think, Jason? I agree. I think it's a solid cover. Maybe I got a little bit spoiled with all the Gil Canes and John Romitas. Nothing against Ross Andrew as an illustrator. He does a great job in the story, and we'll get to that later. But the cover, yeah, there's something that's a little flat to me. I think it looks like he was maybe a little bit rushed. Kind of took some shortcuts. I think that big yellow starburst there is really to get around drawing some of that background. And the result of it is it's just kind of an unnatural looking feel. You don't really get the force of the impact of Hammerhead and the flailings of Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man. It just looks a little contrived. I don't know. I'm sure Jared will have more artistically technical terms for it, but I think you know where I'm going here. So, yeah, it's a good cover, but not one of the better ones I've seen so far. Well, let's go to Jared then. Let's see what... Uh, I think Jason's instincts were spot on. I have no expert in this, and I mean, it's Ross Andrew, so full respect. Uh, but I got the feeling, same as Jason, I feel like it was maybe a little bit of a rush job because, you know, he did the interior pencils too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, him him, and Mike Esposito! Esposito! And, oh. and Jason makes a great... <laughs> Jason makes a great point. I think up to this point, they've all been Gil Kane's or John Ramita's. So this does have that feel of maybe those guys got tied up on other things and they're like, we got to crank out a cover. For a crank out cover, it's great. It really is. Like Jason was saying, it's kind of obvious, I think, to some extent that more time and effort was probably put in with the Gil Canes and the John Ramitas because, I mean, when you all you have to do is the cover, you know, you got more time. So, again, for what feels like a rush job, I think it's great. But I do think it does smack a little bit of rush job. What do you think, Pat? I do agree with a lot of what everybody else has said. When Delvin brought out about how Hammerhead is kind of positioned, then when I look at it again, I'm like, yeah, you're right. You are right, Delvin, on that. That does kind of throw it off a little bit. I, I'm going to interrupt you because that's what I do. That yeah. That is one of, the key, one of the kickers to me that shows me that it might have been a little fast because he's doing what I call, this is no slide on him, I call artist cheats. Anytime you can kind of lay somebody out in a plane like that, there's a lot less to draw. If you look at it, it's like head, shoulders, yeah. knee poking out, a little bit of leg and foot. Knees and toes. Yeah. So you're, it's it's not a lot of drawing involved. And I do that little cheater bit all the time when I do quick sketches for like kids or whatever. I, I'll foreshorten, you know, fists in the foreground and stuff like that. Same, same deal. Oh, so you cheap stuff for the kids? Well, I do a thing at my shows called... It's for hey, the kids. You listen cheat the kids. I do a thing at my shows <laughs> where I do three minute sketches for the kids yeah, for free. But you're drawing right, in three minutes. Okay. You want to give them as much as you can. Don't judge me. No, I'm not. I'm just Maybe. rubbing you. You interrupt me. I get, you get to, to rub me. interrupt you. Get to you. rub me. Hey, family show, family. Rub you. you gotta rub me the right way, but. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pat. I did just want to jump in with right. that as it occurred to me. But go on with your BS. 
no, that that's good to know. That that's what I like because you bring that artist mentality, that look on these that I don't have because I'm no artist. I'm just a guy. <laughs> You're a great guy, though. Well, thank you. But anyway, rub me the right way. <laughs> that's a good song. I haven't heard that. Speaking of which, yeah. <laughs> One thing that I do love, and I am going to continue to say this as we go through these, this era of comics, and just the coloring, man. Oh, it's all the coloring. The right colors make everything pop really good. And I would have to say I'm excited more about the colors, just than the, the way it makes it look, <coughs> than the actual drawing. So I would agree with you because I'm interrupting again. But when I started this podcast yeah. with you, uh, the first thing we ever did was an issue of Star Wars, and Glennis Ween colored that as well. And Glennis yeah. Ween oh, is yeah. not a name that I knew before we started this show, but she has consistently proven time and time and time again that she does great work on these things. So I, I am yeah. I'm glad oh. about revisiting for that reason as well. And I'm going to interrupt yeah, both of you because I, I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here and and I have I read the Amazing Spider-Man and Essential Volume Seven, which is black and white. So when you look at the black okay. and white picture, and I'm comparing it to the color that I have up here on on my computer screen, it's yeah. I mean, it brings it to a whole new level, uh, and she does a great job of taking. Uh, and I hate to use the term mediocre work because it's Ross Andrew. It's, so let's say rushed work. I think mm-hmm. probably a better term and really getting the most out of it. So hats off to the colorist. Hats off to Glennis. She did a spectacular job and has consistently done a spectacular job through all of these issues we've read so far. Here, here. Here, here. We're going to give, let's give Glennis the color me back. But she's color, I know bad means good. Color me good award. No, not not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Oh, 80 bad. Yeah. You bad. Yeah, you bad. Look at this cover. It's bad. Go on. Go on with your bad self there, Glennis. Keep that color coming. (laughs) Color my world. Wait, no. (laughs) All right. Anyway, well, before we uh, let's get into the ratings. For our cover rating, since it's the first time in a long time, and we have Jason with us, so he remembers, it's going to be a rating from one through five. Uh, One means it rumbled your tummy feathers. Ruffled. Yes, ruffled my tummy feathers. All right, thank you, Jason. See, you are listening to home. Oh, <laughs> little Jason's show. growing up. Our little Jason's growing <laughs> up. Uh, so one is mean has ruffled your tummy feathers, and five means that it tickled your tummy feathers. Let's start with Jared. One through five. Go three on this one. Rush lost at a point. I think I feel like if Ross had an extra time, I think he would have found himself a solid four. But uh, it's a three, three cover. All right, Jason. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I kind of hate to give him a three because he did draw the rest of the issue as well. So. <laughs> There should be points for that. But because we are strictly focused on the covers, when you compare it to some of the previous works, it is a little below par. So three for me. I shall give it a three also. Well, I am also going to agree with everybody else. I will give it a three as well. That makes it a three around for everybody. So with that, let's get into the short synopsis with Delvin. Okay, so, well, you know what? It's a choose-your-own-adventure, you know, because, you know, as we discussed, I did write a haiku poem for this issue, but I also wrote a synopsis. Do you want to give us both? Don't we normally cut it short on time here? (laughs) 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 Okay, that's enough. Yes, uh, sure. I'll go with the synopsis. Let's go. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker 
was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. begins with Hammerhead having been resurrected from his ghost-like form by Doc Ock and Spidey, and Hammerhead is on a warpath. The three characters quickly stalemate each other in battle, knocking each other unconscious. Both the bad guys have henchmen who descend upon the melee, the end result being Hammerhead escaping with Aunt May. Doc Ock and Spidey team up to go after him, both wanting to save Aunt May for different reasons. In two cutaway scenes, the first, someone has reconfigured the Spidey mobile to be a death machine. Ooh, gripping. And JJJ, J. Jonah Jameson, chases off another secretary in his own inimitable style. Thanks, Jason, for that word. Doc Ock and Spidey chase Hammerhead to literally the first place they could think of to find him. They easily dispatch of his henchmen before Hammerhead escapes again, but not before leaving behind the surprise of a centrifuge-like room. Spidey implores Doc Ock to help him save the henchmen they dispatched, but Doc quickly escapes to exact revenge on Hammerhead. Spidey stops the room from spinning, but is trapped inside due to the room stopping away from the main escape patch. Doc gets his revenge on Hammerhead by way of long tossing a trash can that crashes Hammerhead's tiny helicopter into the Hudson River, apparently killing Hammerhead again. (laughs) Spidey then emerges from the room ready to fight Doc Ock, but Doc gets afraid of approaching sirens and leaves. No, really. It turns out to be firemen only, and Spidey then leaves his aunt in their capable hands as opposed to returning her home where she started this adventure. Finn. I just want to jump in real quick. I know this is not a regular part of the show, but I too wrote a haiku, and I want to have a haiku off with Delvin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. With the first Crusader Chronicles haiku. All right. I feel like Delvin's going to win this. this. I, I know I've set myself up, but, uh, but Delvin? Okay. Here's my haiku. Fight. Spider-Man trips, falls. That makes very little sense. Hammerhead is lame. Your turn. 
<laughs> okay. Hammerhead returns. Doc Ock and Spidey team up. Slapstick style. What the? <laughs> Pretty similar. Yeah. Man. yeah. <laughs> and I didn't tell you mine. That's so. amazing, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. There you go. That was a little Crusader Chronicles haiku brought to you by High C. The go first for- and hopefully last haiku <laughs> off the Crusader Chronicles. I don't know. I'm starting to think regular bit, and now Pat's got to go find like that Asian do 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 you know kind of music. I thought it was 17 sil- syllables of awesome. <laughs> you did a great job. I'm proud of you. Well, you I did like both of them. Even know. Yes, I did too. 34, yeah. 34 syllables of awesomeness. <laughs> awesome. I'm there proud of all of us. There you go. You guys are you guys are awesome. Thank you for those awesome haikus. I don't even know what a haiku is. What? Five seven five. Well, I do, but I, I don't remember. So I so the whole idea of the haiku, of course, is shortness. Ideally, it's supposed to go five syllables. The first line, five syllables. The second line, seven syllables. And the third line, five syllables. It doesn't really matter as long as the end of it is seventeen syllables long, and that makes a haiku poem. Well, let's get into the first read or reread. And Jason, how about you? Uh, first read, Pat. All right. Delvin. First read. Jared. Much like the Invisible Woman, I'm on my first read. Hey-o. 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 Hey, and guess what? It's the first time for me as well, too. So that makes us reading, reading rainbow, rainbow for us. Yay. First time club. First time club. Butterfly in the sky. <laughs> I can drop by. Says hi. Take a look. It's in a book. It's in a book. The reading rainbow. Reading rainbow. Woo! All right, let's get into the bricker brack. Other bricker brack of this issue. Let's get into some highs and some lows, and we'll start with Jason. Well, this story really kind of was a roller coaster for me. There are some parts I thought were pretty good, and some other parts that just kind of left me shaking my head. The first battle between Hammerhead and Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus, for instance, just kind of looked like a Three Stooges episode and kind of ended like a Three Stooges episode. But then I really enjoyed the rescue attempt by Hammerhead's crew and the ensuing melee. That was kind of fun and kind of interesting. So I liked that some great art in there the spider-man doc ock team up was kind of a cool concept i really like that part where he throws the knives with his octopus arms and everything i thought that was super cool and and spider-man beating the dudes up with a couple of cast iron skillets was fun the rotary house was weird so i don't know all in all i'm still trying to figure out how i feel about this issue some things were kind of cool and kind of fun and some things were stupid and i'll just close it out with this thought up until this point peter parker's always refused to tell aunt may that spider-man because he's afraid her heart won't take it but holy <laughs> cow if this didn't do her off i mean i i think it's safe so well, what, what do you mean like you you don't put people with weak hearts in centrifuges <laughs> i don't put her in centrifuges they're like throwing her around and helicopter ride terrorizing her i mean it was hammerhead it was, was gonna smack her around i know hammerhead was gonna beat that nice old lady I, yeah he had he got what was coming to him as far as i'm concerned just the drawing of her face she's knocking on head. Knock, knock, knock it off. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, but Dr. Octopus was knocking on something. Oh, no, 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 no
Oh, 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 down deep enough into this hole. I'll, I'll pass it off. Don't say down in the hole. <laughs> I was wrong. I can go even further. Uh, Devlin, how are oh, you? Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Strap in, folks. Oh, okay. So, gotta save them for the last. <laughs> for my lows, here's a list of things that an editor would say to Lynn, assuming that there was an editor on this book, who was not Lynn. I was going to say, there was an editor on the book, but then, yeah, you caveated that with the not Lynn, so. Number one, Hammerhead is a normal human. He can't grab Ock's arms and throw them. He can't do it. I meant to ask about that. I I honestly didn't know if he had, like, super strength or something. No, he has a big metal head. (laughs) That's it. It, that's no powers, big metal head. So, so number two, Spidey and two normal humans running into each other is dumb. Like, really? It, keep, number three, way too much exposition from literally everybody. I mean, I can't wait till we get to the X-Men episode. <laughs> <laughs> number four, Spidey calling Hammerhead Mallet Mouth. Then literally trying to punch him in the head seconds later. <laughs> Number five, Spidey acting all chummy with Doc Ock. So for brevity's sake, I'll just stop there. I can tell you this much. After page three, literally page three, I was done with this book. Like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm Lynn, no, dude. Uh, just, I'm done with Lynn. I am done with him. Just not with Lynn anymore. So for the highs, the storyline's over. <laughs> you sound like the uh, the old guys on the Muppets, <laughs> dude. I can't. I, yeah. I, I I will be both Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> the, um, you know what the best part this. about this show is? It it's is. Over. <laughs> <laughs> well, Delvin, I could see that you know Spider Man and Doc Ock being really chummy. They shared that bucket of chicken. <sighs> I, that you know what? That's true. I had some public chicken tonight. It is. It oh, was it is. It was really good. <laughs> it was, while I get that, but Spidey threw shade at Doc Ock and said that, you know, if he shakes hands with him, that he might catch something contagious. Yeah. So, I mean, that just chicken pox. That brought up drama. So then later on, he was like, what's up, Aki? Like, oh. So let's move on. Jared, <laughs> what do you think about highs and lows? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Lows, and I could see why it started to wait on Delvin in three pages. Yeah, that whole sort of Keystone Cops, Laurel and Hardy, Three Stooges kind of fight where they all knocked each other out. And Spider-Man's like tripping over Octopus's arms. I'm like, this is the most agile character. Maybe, maybe Nightcrawler, but him and Nightcrawler are like the most agile characters in the Marvel Universe. This should not happen. So, eh, on that. A high is that it was an action-packed episode straight from beginning to end. A lot of things going on. Sometimes they're a little silly, but nevertheless. Another high is I'm actually kind of interested in the turning of the spider buggy into the death trap. Now, you, I th- you, you liar. I think the spider buggy is silly, <laughs> but I like it's one of those things in comics where it's almost like so silly. I just want to see where this is going. 
You know, yeah, so, so that I. part hooked oh me. Oh my god! Even though uh, my suspicion is that's probably the kingpin with the cigarette, because he's the only guy I know that uses a cigarette holder. But we'll find out because I haven't read these before. I, I will say I'm going to interrupt you here with just a little bit of spider buggy trivia. As a Wolverine fan, years ago, Mark Miller wrote the Old Man Logan storyline, which was set in a dystopian future, and in it, Wolverine and Hawkeye, who is blind ironically, uh, have to cross the United States, which is now broken up into several factions that are run by crime lords and everything. And to do so, they uncover from a storage facility the spider buggy. So the whole <laughs> the whole series of them roaring awesome. across in the spider buggy. So I always thought that was kind of fun. That's pretty cool. Another high for this story for me was, of course, the J. Jonah Jameson bit where he loses another secretary because he's so mercurial. I'm trying to be like my brother. So um, I, agree noise. <laughs> I agree with Jason on the art. I especially love the drawing of Octopus throwing all those knives. That was cool. I like the concept of Spider-Man and Octopus teaming up. Like I always like the concept when a hero teams up with a villain for a greater purpose. They kind of did that in the Blade 2 movie that immediately comes to mind where he teamed up with the vampires. I like that idea, but I'm going to have to side with Delvin. I thought the execution was a little meh. And then, of course, unfortunately, right there near the end, I kind of had to shake my head again because Spidey's like, all right, I'm trapped in the centrifuge room because the room stopped, you know, in front of this brick wall. What <laughs> possible spider power could I use to break a brick wall? I don't know. Like, dude, you have spider strength. Smash the dang wall. We all know we can do it. Anyway, that is maybe the nerdiest thing I'm going to say all week. No, it's not. It was, I agree with Jason. It was a roller coaster ride. I agree with Delvin. There's just, I feel like Lynn was just off the chain, just kind of like cranking this book out and having a fun time with it. But I am excited to see what happens next with the spider buggy, believe it or not. So, Pat, fill us in. All right. Well, one credit that I forgot to mention that is in the comic book and wasn't on Mike's Amazing World is that the cook and bottle washer. <laughs> was Marv Wolfman. And it's going to be some kind of an inside comic joke, because I've noticed that... Yeah. Uh, well, it, I was kind of trying to think about it. Cook and bottle washer. So they go to that kitchen area, so maybe that had something to do with, you know, at, at that point in the comic, you know, when they're in the kitchen and Ox throwing the knives and all that. I think it's an inside joke about being like the editor-in-chief or the head guy or something. You... Maybe onto something, but I have noticed yeah. if you go check out friend of the show, John Beatty's Twitter page, that's his description. It says head cook and bottle washer. <laughs> so, oh, well, it, then maybe it, yeah, it gives me that. the impression that it might be some sort of industry in joke. And I'll check with friend of the show. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, mis I mispronounced it. It's that. Juan Biotti. <laughs> yeah. If, if you wouldn't mind uh, corresponding with him to see what. Yeah, I, I, it that. that would be very interesting. interesting. But, but yeah, the art on it. Great. Yeah, it I enjoyed looking at the art. The color again, I, I know, popping, great color on this. I do agree with Jared, too, of the action. There was a lot of action on this. But Doc and Spider-Man, two powerful people going against, well, you know, they got to power up to beat Hammerhead. Ugh. Ugh. See, it's like it should have been an easier win, yeah. Yeah, I think Hammerhead was more powerful when he was a ghost. But like how they had uh, two forces coming in, army, and then like a SWAT team, and then also you had Hammerhead's guys coming in from the rooftop and the SWAT team coming in from the bottom. That's pretty good. Then they, with the action happening there where you have both of those two teams going against Doc Ock, Spider-Man, and Hammerhead. So it was, it was really neat there. Spider-Buggy. 
got to talk about it. They had me at what they found in the issue before. And now you got spider buggy. Every, and I look at that spider buggy. It just reminds me of speed buggy. You guys remember that speed buggy? Oh, vaguely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed buggy. But speed buggy. It had him and like the guy, that, the mechanic that would drive speed buggy around was kind of like the shaggy character of that cartoon. When I see that buggy, it just reminds me of speed buggy. And so I'm waiting for it to kind of come to life. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe it will. will. I don't know. This is, the first, I don't, this is the first time I've seen the <laughs> spider buggy. So I'm excited for that. Unfortunately, I'm excited for spider <laughs> The yeah, I guess it's sort of a testament yeah. to, to how our expectations have slowly been lowered. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's when you think about it, it's like how how excited were we to find out who this mystery guy very. was? Very. We were very excited. You know? And then to just be given this wah, wah, story. Wah. Oh. <laughs> I'm back at it again with the spider buggy. You got me. You're doing something. <laughs> Going on, just a few more things. I really understanding that room. It was kind of crazy idea where the room starts spinning around and you can't get out of it. And I'm like, well, this is kind of odd to me. And although, like Jared said too, Ock gets out, but then when it's Spider-Man gets it to stop, you know, oh, I I can't get through this wall. And what's with that special copter? Is it something special down the road that is is nope. No? Okay. They made it look like this special kind They sure did. For- I no. think at the time, and now I'm using my day job knowledge here, I think at the time, the concept, uh, the two rotor blades that spin in opposite directions so you don't need a tail rotor. There's a shorter way to say that. Uh, was kind of like a cool popular science thing okay. at the time. So I, th- I got the impression they were kind of like just kind of like, oh, you know, look yeah. at modern technology, you know, type of video. Taken down by a trash Taken can. Taken down by a trash can. A trash can. <laughs> say it again, Delvin. <laughs> A trash can. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> well, with that, I think let's get into our silly Spidey moments. Ooh. Delvin, do you have a silly Spidey moment? I actually do. I mean, three comic book characters falling over and passing out. That is G-damn hilarious. <laughs> like, I, I, I have watched wrestling for years, and I don't think I've ever seen that on wrestling. And yet I saw it in a comic book. So I thought that was very funny. What about you, Pat? What was your silly Spidey moment? Well, I'm going to go with the one, and I think if you were following Christatos, Christatos01 on the Twitter, you would have saw the one thing I call out there, and that is Spider-Man says my one of my favorite words there as he is coming up on one of the creeps. The guy says creeps that he's kind of sneaking up on, and he says, surprise, sweetums. Yes. Everybody loves the sweetums. Everybody, I love the sweetums. Surprise, sweetums. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, how about you? Mine is actually not Spider-Man, but Robbie Robinson there. After the secretary got fed up with all of J. Jonah Jameson's crap and threw all the papers in the air and just quit and stormed off. And J. Joda James is like, I tell you, Robbie, you can't get competent help these days. And Rob- Robbie's just like lighting up his pipe. He's like, well, that's two now. <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny jared how about you well you almost gave it away earlier but i'm gonna revisit it look at this sweet awesome high-tech helicopter i have he literally says yeah and there's nothing you can do about it felled by delvin a trash can boom (laughs) silver can (laughs) i was like oh my gosh he just hit him with a trash can so that made me laugh out loud when I read it. Well, it took him a couple. It took him two tries, and then he yeah. three actually. Yeah, <laughs> two tries, and then on the third, he got it. Silver yeah. cans. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh my goodness. Well, I think with that, why don't we get into the ratings on this? So, 
just another reminder for those who are new to the show, have been on the show, or just are Jason. You need to understand how the rating goes. It's a one through five rating. And one is it ruffled your tummy feathers. Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, you really liked it. Or five, it tickled your tummy feathers. Let's start with Jared. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> you you want to go ham? I do. I really do. <laughs> I really think. Uh, does everybody want to go ham? You know, I, I was thinking it. To too, me, it's, really it, it really, if, if we were allowed halfsies, which we aren't because we just jumped all over Delvin when he tried to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, all over me. All, all over me. We got him no slack, which really screwed ourselves for episodes like this. I'm looking at 2.5, but I, you know, playing by the rules, I'm actually going to round up to a three. It's a week three, but the art was great. I am genuinely intrigued by what he's going to do with this Spider-Mobile story. It might end up being completely laughable, but the fact he's got me intrigued means something. So rounding up to a three. Jason? I'm in the same predicament as my brother, and I'm going to go the same direction. I'm going to give it a three. There were elements of it I did like. I think the art was really good. Ross Andrew did another excellent job. I'm disappointed. I think Spider-Man is arguably the flagship title for Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man in particular. And I was not satisfied with this story arc or how it ended. There were pieces of it that worked, but I got to agree with Delvin. A good editor would have made the story better. And I'm more excited to see the next issue now that Bill Mantlo is actually writing the script and Len Wayne isn't uh, as heavily involved in it to see, see where it's going. So I'm going to give it a reluctant three. All right. Delvin, how about you? <laughs> I didn't need halvesies on this one, and I'm not saying that to tease. <laughs> I'm saying that because I was dead set. I absolutely meant what I said when <laughs> when I said I was done at page three. This book gets Ooh, a I'm wondering this now. book gets a one for me. I was wondering. Oh my goodness! What? It's it's a one. Ross Andrew deserves at least a two. (laughs) Nope. I I am I am absolutely tired of sugarcoating it. Oh my God, Jared! Have we seen the first appearance of Nivled? (laughs) Nivled. Nivled. Oh. This should mean a lot coming from me because not only but besides Spidey. But I generally avoid extremes, and I just thought the the ending of the story arc was terrible. I thought the book direction was all over the place. I have no idea where Lynn is going half the time. He continually forgets what Spider-Man's powers are, and he just does it every time it's convenient for him to advance a half-assed story. It's a one. It's terrible. Now, I got to ask this, because this is an important moment in Longbox history. Our first one. Do you think that your love for this character, if I'm not mistaken, this is your most passionate title? That is Uh, correct. So do you think that has something to do with why you're grading it so harshly? Not in this case, because, I mean, in my opinion, it's been a long time coming. I've sat there and kind of I was like, I found things to be excited about when it came to the book. I was excited about finding out who was uh, chasing Doc Ock. I found ways to get ready for the next issue and to look forward to the next issue. And so there's this whole big story arc. And what came of it was that 
It was a ghost that didn't harm anyone and they involved Aunt May in a storyline unnecessarily to have her faint all over the place. (laughs) And Doc Ock going from acting completely powerful, like a a powerful Spider-Man villain who was afraid of a harmless ghost and then ran away from a fight with Spider-Man because the cops were coming. I mean, Jason, this is just terrible writing. And it, and and it, it turned out it wasn't even the cops. And it wasn't even the cops. It was a it was a fire, it, which, by the way, Doc Ock would have seen and could have came back and fought. It's terrible. It's it's terrible right now. And I, and of course, when it comes to Spidey, my hopes will always spring eternal. But for this, like for this issue, is just a culmination of bad for me. And, oh, and that's, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and that's where the one comes from. Just not not good at all. My only follow up question to Delvin is: since we are both Auburn men, how would Charles Barkley describe this comic? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and there, there you have it. We're missing, I didn't go to Auburn, but I got that joke. We're missing somebody. Pat, did you rate? I have not rated, but <laughs> it doesn't boy, even matter anymore. <laughs> No, it's, it's well, you know, I was the, I'm a talk the world I, is just I, turned why, upside down right now. That's why I said, you know, do you want to do half seas? Because I, I'm in half seas mood. Well, we're going right to jump now, all over you if know. we do. If we, yeah, no, I know. So I, if I could do a two and a half, boo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just like Jared said, for the art and somewhat of the action, I'll give it a oh, three. Oh, good but, God, oh, you man. people! That one, you're you're pulling me down there, but I just yo I look. I, I can't. I, I'm, it, all I, I'm all yeah. I'm saying is this: you guys know this issue wasn't good. You know it wasn't. And you're, yeah. and, and you're pulling the, well, let's look on the right side of things. The artwork was good, and it was. Not one time that I crap on Ross Andrew, but this has not been a good story arc. It hasn't been. And it's not been an average story arc. It was. I think this is, I think this is a bad issue. It ending. was a bad yeah. story arc. Yeah. It wasn't even just this issue. The whole, the whole arc was bad. I, I would boo, think the boo ones you are... guys. You know what? Fine. I will sit in my <laughs> haters' corner and I will. No, no, no. No, you know what? I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna give it a two. Oh, you convinced? I'm giving it a two. You you convinced me. I'm so, I'm it's sticking. Tough to do, I'm and, I, and I do agree. Three. I do it. Yeah. I'm sticking okay, with my three because I I, I I do it. It was good. I do have to agree with Delvin. You know, I, I think have I been a little lenient and just trying to no? I I, I gotta. Go from what my heart says, and it's, yeah. you know that's fine. I don't judge you or yeah. Delvin. I understand what you're saying. Don't judge me. I, I, I get it too. I yeah. get it. I get it. I, you don't have to convince me. I get what Delvin's saying, and I get what you're saying. But yeah, I know well, what's the matter. It's just us rating it. Anyway, it's not like people are gonna listen to what we say and go. And, yeah, and I, oh, I can't give that to that. That Delvin gave it a one. I don't. Well, I, I think you know. For me, it's like it still made me turn the page. I was still reading it, and I and I still was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." I yeah. liked what yeah. I liked when uh, Spider Man and Doc. Well, Doc okay, let me ask you this though: Are you turning the page because you have to because of doing the podcast? No, or are no, you- no, I was, no, I was, I was, I was giving it a one if I just had to like I quit. Yeah, I, and you there have I mean? been comics where I was like, "Oh God, why, why am I reading this?" But this one, I mean, it had me turn the page. To Delvin's point, it threw a lot of punches. Most of them didn't land, but it did keep me interested and. The art was good. But yeah, it was the story arc was meh, but I can't say that I hated it. 
I can. Okay. <laughs> and I and I understand. I mean, if they had, if they done this to you know Batman is my passion, I I might be a little harder to judge myself. I'm sure we eventually may get to something. Yep. 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 I know the X Men go through some rough patches. <laughs> But yeah, and that could be, you know, it may just be a little rough patch here. But yeah, anybody have anything else on this? No, man. Any last comments? <laughs> generated Greenses? generated some good discussion. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what the fans say on the Twitters. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear about that. Please tweet us back at Longbox Crusade on the Twitter and let us know what you have rated this issue. And with that, I think we will take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. <laughs> now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. <laughs> that kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. <laughs> Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Welcome back from the break. Let's get into the second issue for this episode, and that is X-Men number 100. Woohoo! We did it, boys. We reached 100. We made it! Yeah, we made it. Woo! 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 Here's some credits from Mike's Amazing World. We have publisher is Marvel. Cover date is August 1976, but it's got an on-sale date of May 18th, 1976. Cover price of 25 cents, but this one also has a 30 cent variant out there as well. Editor is Marv Wolfman. Uh, We got writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. 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 (laughs) Thank you. We have artist Dave Hockram. Ooh, and letterer is... Mike Espadito! Oh, I got confused. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, letterer is Annette Kowicki? Kowicki? It says Annette K in the comic book, so whatever you've yeah. got is, you're on your own. Yeah. It's, it's in the script here. I, I, it looks like Kowicki. Kowicki, okay. Colorist is Bonnie Wilford. If you are reading along with us, uh, here's some places where you could find it in a reprint. It's in the classic X-Men number 8 from 1987. Also part of the Marvel Masterworks Volume 11, Uncanny X-Men. It's also an Uncanny X-Men Volume 1 hardcover, 1990. Essential X-Men Volume 1 trade paperback, 1996. And you can also find it on Uncanny X-Men Omnibus, And also on Marvel Unlimited. You can read along with us as well. So, cover credits go to artist is Dave Cockrum. And speaking of the cover, let's have Delvin describe the cover to us. Well, you know, I was so motivated to, um, with my haiku battle with Jarrett, that mm-hmm. I have come up with another haiku poem to describe the cover. You ready, gents? Do it. And, and you know ready. what? I, I, let's reveal a little bit behind the scenes. 
I I was not going to describe the cover. We're going to let Jared do it. And then I said, well, you know what? I do it because Jared does it all the time. And then I jokingly said I should do a haiku. And I said it kind of thinking everyone's going to like, no. And they were like, yay. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well crap. I, I, Might become a segment. I, I better come up with something. And I did in the span of, I don't even know how long that was, but I did. I Maybe actually did. two minutes. <laughs> Couple so you got you, you guys ready? Do it. We are ready. Let's lay it out. Cue the music, Pat. What's this? Looks like the old X-Men and new X-Men. Mono Imano. Well done, sir. Well played. Well played. Classic. Not bad. I Not still don't get I don't get haikus. <laughs> 17 syllables. That's it. I, I, I have problems pronouncing things, Delvin. I, I, five, seven, five, Pat. Five, seven, five. All with, you got to remember. So with a more classic explanation, so we have the bold X-Men uh, lettering in red at the top of the cover. At the very, very top in green has Marvel Comics Group and issue 100 uh, and a 25-cent cover. And the very famous approved by the Comics Code Authority. It says, at last, the spectacular 100th issue of X-Men. And you have the uh, floating heads of Banshee, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, Cyclops, and Wolverine in the upper left corner. The main thrust of the cover, you have all of the original X-Men to the left. You have all of the new X-Men to the right. You have a angry, triumphant looking Professor X who is standing in a defiant pose with a wrecked wheelchair uh, below him. And there's an arrow pointing directly towards Professor X that says, X-Man versus X-Man in a battle to the death betrayed by Professor X. I don't believe it for a second. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Good job on that. Very good. job. Very good. Jared, what, yeah. Why don't you tell us, Jared, what your thoughts are? On oh, man. Dave Cockrum. He's great. This is a great cover. It's uh, It really tells you what's going to happen, you know, which we like. It's a great sort of squared off. He's squeezed everybody in there. Professor X is looking, you know, very enthused <laughs> about this battle. I know it's Dave Cockrum, so it's hard to pick on him in any way. The only thing that I kind of thought jumped out at me when I first looked at this is I felt like I said, this kind of look feels like he inked himself. Now, is that was that accurate? Did this cover have an inker? Um, it didn't say it on. Mike, yeah, so I don't I don't, I don't think it, he it did because I noticed he didn't. He inked himself on the interiors as, as well. And while he's great, I think bringing another anchor oftentimes will add another layer. So while this is a fairly iconic cover, I kind of wish they would have let somebody else ink it. I think it would have taken it just one notch further, but it's already great. I'm really I'm really nitpicking just just to uh have something to add, to be honest with you. But that's the only one thing I looked at. I, I feel like he inked this himself. And that's it. Uh, but it's it's great. It's a great cover. Jason, how about you? Color's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that Jared hit the nail on the head. This is an iconic cover. It's one of those classic two teams standing face-to-face, looking down the scrimmage line of a football field. Standing on the far side, you've got Professor X standing with a crumpled up wheelchair behind him, ready to jump into the fray. Lots of tension, lots of action. You have the great characters from the original X-Men, the super cool characters from the new X-Men. 
and it makes you want to just pick up this book and say, what the heck's going on? Let me dive right in. Awesome cover. Dave Cochran, one of the best. And I can't describe it any better than that. That was awesome. Right. <laughs> while, while the cover wasn't action packed per se, I mean, goodness, you could just, you could feel the tension coming off that cover to where, I mean, Cyclops and Colossus look like they are about to go at it and all of them and just really good cover. I mean, between that and it being the 100th issue, I remember the old criteria of, you know, would you put this on your wall? <laughs> In a heartbeat, mm-hmm. in an absolute heartbeat, I would put this on my wall without a question about it. And that says a lot to me. What do you think, Pat? I definitely agree with all of you as well, too, that it's the 100th issue. And if it didn't have a 100th on it, you would still know something special is going on with it. Just the way it's drawn. The color is great. It's not as poppy for the color for me as the Spider-Man one was. Because I think there's just more detailing going on because you have all the you know, the different figures on different side and you have to really distinguish between them. And with the Professor X standing in the background with his wheelchair down, if you, you kind of notice it if you don't, but you're still wondering, no, why is he standing? What's going on? Very exciting and makes me want to open it up and start reading it. So that's my thoughts on it. Let's get into the cover ratings and we're just going to do with our normal ratings again. It's going to be a one through five. One is you hated it as we found out those do come true. <laughs> we haven't had a bad cover yet, so I, we never know. This could be I the one. <laughs> and the five up to five where you loved it. So let's start with Jared. Ooh, I wish I could do half these because it's a strong four or a weak five for me. I'm going to land on strong four. Strong four. Jason. I'm going to push it up to a five. I would hang this one up on my wall. I'm trying to find some flaw in it. And the more I look at it, the more I like it. It's got the old team. It's got the new team. It's the hundredth issue. It's got the six main guys up in the top left with their headshots. Yeah, I got to give it a five. I gave mine away already. It's a five. That cover does it for me. It does. All right. So I will give it a five as well. There we go. We're excited for this. I was the grumpy kids on this one, I guess. I'll tell you what. Being an anchor yourself, you probably see some things that we don't. I'm looking at this from pure fanboy love. It's got all the X-Men characters that I love on one cover. Nothing Um, wrong with that. Yeah. All right. Well, Jason, with that, why don't you give us the synopsis for this issue? Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus. Children of the Atom, students of Charles Xavier. Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men.
Okay, here we go. The title of this story is Greater Love Hath No X-Man. So our story continues with the new X-Men squaring off against the classic team in the middle of a satellite in deep space. While the new team is taken aback and try to talk their way out of the situation, the old team attacks with savage ferocity. The battle seesaws back and forth, and we get to see the early version of Colossus and Wolverine serving up the fastball special. Our heroes battle for their lives while trying to figure out how the old team got to the satellite and why they are so gung-ho on killing the new team. During the melee, Wolverine is shocked to find himself under physical assault by a suddenly ambulatory Professor X and mental assault by Jean Grey. The scrappy mutant begins to rely on his animal instincts and realizes that the assaulting classic team is not what they seem. With a sudden animal frenzy, Wolverine unleashes his claws on Marvel Girl and reveals that she is an android. Watching from his gigantic monitoring screen, a frustrated Dr. Lang reveals to us that this is his secret plan. Destroy the X-Men with a new set of Sentinel robots designed to look like the classic X-Men. Unbeknownst to the villain, however, a trapped Cyclops behind him has heard enough and breaks out of his cell with a supercharged optic blast. While his teammates demolish the rest of the X-Sentinels, Cyclops and Marvel Girl engage in combat with Dr. Lang on his flying gunship. In the heat of the battle, Lang loses control of the gunship and crashes into the giant television screen. With the apparent demise of their tormentor, the X-Men plan their escape from the Doom satellite. With their shuttle's flight control computer damaged and a solar storm on the way, there is no way that their pilot, Dr. Corbeau, can avoid the deadly solar rays and survive the flight. In a desperate attempt, Marvel Girl uses her telepathy to take from Corbeau's mind the knowledge she will need to fly the craft. Stowing the remaining X-Men and Corbeau in a shielded cargo hold, Jean flies the shuttle through the deadly storm, relying on her telekinetic shields to protect her. As the unrelenting solar radiation pummels her defenses, Jean realizes she is not going to make it. Is this the end of Jean? Can she save her teammates? Stay tuned. Thank you for that, Jason. Very special. I just, I'm a little confused because I don't know what Lang was wearing during all this. (laughs) He was wearing a track suit. Oh, okay. He was really, st- yeah, yeah, but he was starting to branch out. I noticed there was like a little belt there now. So, I mean, <laughs> these track suits are getting some flair. Hold up, Jared. Jared, could I get that one again? Could you ask that question to me again? Uh, what was Lang wearing during all this? A trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into the bric-a-brac of this issue. And is this a first read or a reread, Jason? This is a reread for me. Oh, okay. Delvin? This is the first read for me. Jared. Feels like the first time. For me, it feels like the very <laughs> first time. He would climb any mountain. Sail oh, across the There he goes. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, let's get into some highs and lows. And let's start with Jason. Okay, so full disclaimer, I, again, I'm a homer for this title, so not too many lows. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I, I think the action 
was spectacular in here. The splash page right on page two, awesome. Seeing the fastball special in actual combat in action was very cool. I thought seeing Wolverine use his super senses to figure out what was actually happening was neat. We had another splash page with some terrific art. Lots of action, lots of tension. I love the ending. Very dramatic with Jean Grey willing to sacrifice herself. She even has to put Cyclops down because he he won't let her and basically has her last goodbyes, puts Wolverine in his place and is willing to sacrifice herself for the team. She knows she's not going to make it, but she thinks maybe she can get the team down. And of course, for those of us that have read the story arc before, we know we're on the crux of a great, great story, a true Marvel classic. So those are the highs. Lows, I'm just going to be nitpicky. <laughs> the battle platform was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, that was a little joke, a little jokey. Yeah, I, I really don't have too many lows. Maybe the X Sentinels were a little contrived, but for the time period, I think it worked just fine, and it was great battle with lots of action. So I'm going to leave the lows to somebody who's less jazz than me. So those are my thoughts. I'll pass it on. All right, let's go to Delvin. So for me, sometimes there is that thing, that movie, that book, that comic, you know, that you have low expectations for or no expectations and then it delivers and you're like, wow. And, and you know, that's a, a level of good. And sometimes, you know, there's something that you think that's good and then it turns out to be average or bad. And so you're super disappointed. And then in the case of this book, there was that high level of anticipation that I think we all had coming into the book. And I thought that it absolutely delivered, and that might be the best of them all. I thought the X-Sentinels were a great idea because mm-hmm. Lang very clearly explained it. It's like, yeah, I don't like y'all, and I want you to die. <laughs> Say, like, wow, very much like a Goldfinger moment there for Lang. Yeah, and, I like that, too. Yeah, no Machiavellian plan. I just wanted to kill you all. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to kill you, and I thought it would be really ironic if I created mutants that hated you. So, yeah, I thought that the villain served the purpose you don't see too many splash pages in the mid 70s era. And there are a couple in this book and Cockrum did a great, fantastic job on both of them. The lettering or the wording of um, Claremont's story didn't get in the way and it was beautifully colored. There was a ton of action. And again, Claremont's writing style, it didn't get in the way. I didn't feel the action just kept going at a very good clip. And it, I mean, goodness, just this one issue they went through the freaking roller coaster just it was insane i thought gene was right to do what she did and i actually forgot the setup you know for her to get in this position towards the end of the book where you know corbeau had to crash the shuttle into the space station and that put them in this impossible position where they had to evacuate the space station and get in this position i'm like oh this was the setup. It it was very well done. And I think Claremont does some of his best writing when he isn't writing, if you get what I'm saying, because they had this action-packed scene where you're not even caring necessarily. Last issue that Corbo crashed the ship into there. Now there's kind of like, well, now what? There's no clean exit. How are we getting home? 
the cliffhanger was just freaking it was fire it was fantastic like holy crap that is the way you end a book even if you casually pick this book up there's no way you're not going to pick up x-men 101 based off of the mm-hmm. ending of this book yep. like, like is, is she gonna die what the heck yep yep this is, this is crazy so I don't even have any lows. This book was friggin' phenomenal to me. It really was. Right. Jared, what do you think? Here comes Captain Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Doraz. Doraz. He has appeared. No, I'm going to pick on a couple of things, and maybe it's just, you know, I've never been an X guy. I might need to be straightened out. Overall, though, guys, great book. Especially when we juxtapose it to the... A trash can. <laughs> <laughs> that we had before hey you gave that a three overall this, <sighs> this book yeah ross andrews saved I, I did too this book was yeah it was another action both the books we read for this episode action all the way through oh yeah let me just start with the highest of highs you guys pick on me all this time because you know i'm sort of an emotional movie watcher i'm a movie crier i, I don't mind admitting it i'll pick I, on you i'm the same way i got a little emotional when you know gene gray at the end, and Scott trying to save her, and and her making that heroic thing, I got a little, I got you know, little little flush skin. I was like, that's darn fine storytelling. So there's the highest of the high. My lows are seriously nitpicky and mildly hilarious. Going to the splash page, the very first one, you know, you got your opener, you got your open page, Greater Love Hath No X Men. You turn the page, you get a double page spread. That's awesome. But yeah. I just had to laugh because I know Ice, what you're gonna Ice say. Man's big attack on Wolverine. <laughs> was a gosh damn snowball. <laughs> I think that was a slush ball. I think that stung a little bit more. Than- <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? I know that Dave had to throw some action in there, but I'm like, come all the way on. That is ridiculous. <laughs> heads up. Well, he, he, yeah, he, he yells at yeah, him. Heads up. You know, he calls him a word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Words hurt. Words hurt, yeah, yeah I suppose. They do. But yeah, it's well played. The whole story with the action beats well played. I love Lang's missing tooth, by the way. I just do. So <laughs> there's that. Because at first I saw, I was like, was that an inking error? He missing a tooth. And then I like zoomed in. And I remember that Cyclops beat the ever-loving crap out of him in the last episode. So he is missing a tooth. Here's where things got a little meh for me. While I really like the tender moments with Gene and Scott and Storm, we just established like one issue ago that Storm can control space weather. Where was Storm on this? No helps whatsoever. You're right. So that bugged me a little bit. And then. Wait, wait, what do you mean? I'm not tracking you. This whole thing happened because there was some kind of a solar flare. And we learned in the last issue, or maybe it was two issues ago, that Storm can control space weather. So I'm like, can she not help with the solar flare? I get what you're saying. And again, I'm not trying to be a smart, smart or or whatever. I don't know a lot about the X-Men. So I was thinking, okay, I thought she could help with that. And then the only other thing that bugged me, and I I might be able to answer my own question here, is she's able to pull out the ability to be a pilot out of Corbeau, who's the most handy guy to have around. We already know that. She's able to do that. So I'm like, wait, if she's able to do that, why is she not the smartest person on the planet? Why does she not pull knowledge all the time? To answer my own question, it's probably like that ethics thing, you know, Professor X, and then kind of keep themselves out of people's heads. Yes, Probably, but I'm just like, dang, I mean, if you could just download abilities, she should be like the Matrix, you know, she should know Kung Fu and da 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 but anyway, those are nitpicks. I want to go back to saying overall, lots of action, very compelling, 
great wrap up to the story. I know almost nothing about X-Men lore, and I'm fairly certain we're on the cusp of the Phoenix saga here. So I'm excited. It's a good book. That is all. All right. Very good. I think you guys have touched on a lot of different things of my highs and lows for this as well. So I'm just going to give a couple quick things. I do agree that this is an action-packed comic, just like the Spider-Man. But this one's got a lot more action going on in it that I like. Now, I do agree with what Delvin said is you could have all this action going on and Claremont's words still melded beautifully in with this. Mm-hmm. Just to be a hundredth issue, I didn't think it was that bigger of a book. Did anybody else? Uh, no, the you know, page with, count was standard. It was 16. Well, well, okay. Hang on, I can tell you exactly. It's 16 and that includes cover. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking this thing is going to be long, but I, I looked. I'm like, wow, this kind of surprised me too but it packed there would be yeah me too i i thought it i thought it would be like a double size or something as well and just goes to show you sometimes less is more oh yeah there's a lot going in on it it was just i was surprised because i was just turning the page turning the page and reading and reading i do like the x sentinels what he was doing i i like he was playing the bigger sentinel but then his real reason is for these x sentinels i was like oh that's pretty tricky move because i didn't know you know, I'm like, well, how did these people get up here? How, you know, how did he get these other characters along? And then you find out that they're androids or little sentinels. I thought that was a really cool, inventive idea. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I also thought that it made sense as to why he was, if you so intent on killing the X-Men, well, why keep them alive? Well, he needed them. He needed, you know, he needed their, I don't know, DNA or imprinting or whatever it was that, that he needed to program those sentinels. And I'm sure he would have killed them as soon as he didn't need them. Yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. But it made sense. There wasn't anything that really felt contrived. Everything that happened led to something else, which was, I thought, brilliant storytelling and probably, to, again, to parrot what Delvin has said, the reason why you need a good editor. Oh, yeah, definitely. I liked the second big splash page where it's laying in, you know, in the center of it all going, ah, how? And just the other pictures behind it. That's What sound did Lang one. make again? He went, how? Oh, okay. He's saying, how? Because they do this to me. He was running away, um, and as he was going through, he was going, track, track. <laughs> That's funny. If you're but in I track, like- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of track, though, what I wanted to point out there is they give a little, you know, montage thing of him where he starts out experimenting with some other mutants. And then the next one, you see him in his tracksuit already with the Sentinel head. You know, he then he goes to this council of whoever these people are to get, you know, backing for the what he was going to do. But I just like that he, you know, right away, he's, you know, he's one track mind. He's got his tracksuit on. He knows where he's going with this. And he goes in to see, look at I got a tracksuit. You guys need to give me money. They were like. Well, he's got a tracksuit. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. I mean, he ain't got to betray us. He's got a tracksuit. He's going to have to buy this. You can't for a trust a guy in a tracksuit. You know? I mean, not unless he's giving you a demo tape. You know, you come in, you better give me a demo tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, and then to find out that he's got this little flying saucer laser gun guy, you know, cherry thing. I like. I like his monologuing, even in the face of death. Yeah, I'm a human. Yeah. I'm better than you. Oh crap. <laughs> oh, help, yeah and then he then he cried out to the mutants for help like mm, i think they just gave you some help man <laughs> we'd help you but we're inferior we'd probably just mess it up <laughs> good luck dude let's see other than that the ending with gene and how that turns out all right i can't believe you know she totally knocks out cyclops with her mind 
whatever she does, <laughs> wow, that girl's powerful and she can just knock him down and, you know, keep him out for a while. Yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah. Just to find out, I haven't read the Phoenix Saga yet, so, you know, I've always heard of You're it. You're in for you know, a treat. Stories. Yeah. Just to see, this is where it began. That last few pages, this is where it began. Or you could even say this whole story building up to it is how it gets to the Phoenix Saga. I'm like, wow, this is really cool to go through this not knowing, you know, how this all began. I'm excited for this series, definitely. I want to read the next one so I can keep going and keep I mean, going. isn't it awesome that, like, there's buildup? To a storyline yeah. and like the storyline deliver. It pays off. It delivers and delivers more. Like I was totally blown away when they were androids or, you know, sentinels. I was like, wow, you got like a little mini sentinel that has all this power to mimic the power of these heroes in, in a little bundle. Why do you need these big giant robots? <laughs> I, I guess you just can't have enough. Or at least put them in some tracksuits. Yeah, yes. Tracksuit robots. <laughs> I would watch yeah. a series called Tracksuit Robots. Suit robots. Yeah, it gives me an idea for my next talent book. Tracksuit robots. Oh, there we go. Robots. I want to be the editor. Going again. <laughs> I don't need no editor. What? Yes, trust me. I'll write it in it myself. I will wean this trust, all trust. the way. <laughs> Tracksuit robots in the hands of Silver. <laughs> oh, man. Crossovers galore. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a new thing. You have these crossovers going on. That's true. Nowadays. So that's me. I really enjoyed this. I don't really have any, I don't have any lows. Can't say I have one. This is very well done, well written, well drawn, well executed story. With that, why don't we get into who went the extra mile in this issue for the X-Men? Let's go ahead and start with Delvin. I'm going to say it's Storm. Hell yeah. What? <laughs> I, I went with a subtle one because she was the first one that figured out that something was going on here. And her whole time, she was looking at people that she thought were her friends and she was choosing peace the entire time. And I thought that was really cool. I mean, because she has immense power and could have just gone straight to blasting and she didn't. She tried to find another way to uh, resolve the situation. I thought that was cool. What do you think, Jared? Part of me wants to give it to Lang for dedication to the bitter end. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, which was my nickname in college, by the way. They called me low-hanging fruit. That's true, actually. Uh, <laughs> called that. I, and I'm going to give it to Jean Grey. She earned it. We all know how she earned it. I'm giving it to Jean. Jason? I got to consider that Wolverine is the one who figured out what was going on with the X-Sentinels. And he took a snowball to the face. And took a snowball to the face. <laughs> and didn't cry like a punk bee like Jason Vega. <laughs> oh, that's a joke for Jerry B. Back in the day. I love yeah. it. I love it. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, who else? Cyclops busted out of that rusty cage. I'm going to bring Dr. Lang and laid the smack down on Dr. Lang once again. That was pretty cool. But at the end of the day, Jean Grey allowing her team to have a chance to survive what would otherwise be a certain death and willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice. I got to give it to Jean Grey as well. I was surprised that Peter Corbeau didn't turn into like a sun god or something and save them all. <laughs> That dude does everything. Everything. Yeah. He's like, I'm also a meteorologist. <laughs> Did I mention I'm the silver surfer? Let's go. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, Pat, 
Well, I was kind of going the same way Jason and Jared did, but you've kind of convinced me, Delvin, going back and looking through how Storm kind of played out. I didn't really recognize that until you did say something that she did know something was up. She was trying not to hurt anybody because she wasn't for sure. Yeah. And then at that point to where Jean thinks she's going to try to stop her, she doesn't. You know, she gives her that soft heart again and goes, hey. I understand. I know where you're coming from. And then you have just that one panel of Storm with the crying eyes, that, the pody face there. That, that takes a lot to do, is to let somebody know that, hey, you're, I know you're going to face this danger. I'm okay with it. You know, you go on and do you and thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with this. powerful moment. It really was. Yeah. And I think with Delvin saying that, I, I would have, like I said, would have chose Gene, but you got me thinking about the other I one. mean, Gene is like... And I say easy, not like insultingly, like, I mean, because, yeah, she was she very quickly made that decision that, hey, I got the power set to do this so I can do it. And I mean, I was extraordinarily brave of her to do that. So, yeah, lots of heroes in the book. Lots of opportunities. Oh, yeah. Doesn't make me a storm lover yet, Jerry. You you keep your hands off a storm. (laughs) (laughs) You sing your happy birthday song to storm. (laughs) It's not her birthday yet, but I'm when watching. it is, I will. Well, with that, let's get into the ratings. It's going to be a one through five again. One, you hated it. Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, you really liked it. And five, you loved it so excitedly. <laughs> Tick- tickle so. your tummy feathers. <laughs> yeah. All the tummy feathers, every single one. <laughs> yeah. Even that one you don't tell your mom and dad about. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't hasn't firmly grown in yet. <laughs> Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and see what Jared thought. Any book that can get my emotions to pump a little bit, I'm going to give it a five every time, just because it's going to be memorable and stick with me. So congratulations to the X crew. You're getting a five out of me on this one. All right. Jason. I'm going to give it a four just for the sole reason that um, as great as this is, and I did love it, I know that there are even better issues coming. So You sound like me. What are you doing? Mm. Stop so, that! I think I'm like the polar opposite. All right, trash can. I did. I did just say I loved it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. So I. So I guess yeah. yeah. I better, uh, five. It's a five. There we you go. Me into it. <laughs> Del was like swaying all these votes tonight. <laughs> He's a This is birthday. Show. Happy birthday, Happy Delvin. Birthday, Delvin. Delvin, what about you? It gets a five from me. I mean, like a without a doubt five. I thought it was freaking fantastic. I enjoyed it. And I don't know. It feels like best of times and worst of times right now. I mean, like there could not be polar opposite between the Spidey book and the X-Men book for this particular month. Claremont's killing it. Claremont and, um, excuse me, and Cockrum, they're both killing it. Just fantastic job. Pat, what do you got, man? I agree with you guys as well, too. This is definitely a five for me. And this whole series has just been a steady, I guess. This, since we started reading this, it's been a steady series. You know, we're, we're, I think we're starting to see why in the heck Chris Claremont was able mm-hmm. to stay around the X-Men so long. We're starting to see why these characters were able to last the test of time as well. And it's because yeah, you start to, to see these personality traits of, Wolverine caring for Jean Grey, Storm having all this power, but still being very pure of heart, Colossus being very strong-willed and uh, determined. Just, man, great, great stuff. 
Yeah, I, I've oh, yeah. poo-pooed the X-Men for years when Jason and I were growing up, and now I know why. I think it was just, I think it was a, a little bit more for uh, an older audience. I think eight, seven and eight-year-old Jared couldn't appreciate it, but 41-year-old Jared sees the value, definitely. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. It's really fascinating and exciting to be reading this through, and, and like I said, this is the first time through, so I'm giddy. I've read it before, Woo-hoo. and it's it's hooked me again for being what 40 something years old the story now yeah it's uh, it holds up incredibly well thanks to the storytelling and Cockrum's art true classic in my humble opinion for what it's worth all right with that does anybody have anything else on this issue? it was great we love it it's great Ooh. well let's take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back alexander hamilton Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, art by Nate Niles, colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon, letters by Percival Constantine, and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central, C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. That's theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. Or you can buy it directly from me, Creator Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, at any of my Comic-Con appearances. Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series Comic Book Men had to say about it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Books like a- a Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. That's Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. Welcome back from the break. Unfortunately, during that last podcast promo break, Delvin died. So we've replaced him with Chris <laughs> from Batgirl to Oracle and the Professor Frenzy Show and various other cool things. Thanks for stepping in for Delvin, Chris. Not a problem. Glad just, to be here. Can you just push his body kind of further to the... There you go. Oh, there. I'm sorry. Okay, there. Okay. There, okay. Put it in uh, the closet. That's what Peter Parker did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in the closet. Now let's get to the feedback portion of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. Those iTunes reviews really help, and if you don't do one, you might end up in the closet with Delta. <laughs> Let's get into the social media likes, shares, and retweets for this episode, starting with Pat. Kick it off. Well, first on the list is Aaron Head Moss. Thanks, Aaron. Next, we heard from Al Sedano. Thank you very much, Al. Our comments from Al Sedano. Al Sedano. Got to get it. Got to get it. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got BK on the air at BK on the air. Thanks, Burger King. Your Whoppers are delicious. <laughs> and next, we have Clinton. I'm just kidding. We have. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> oh, our no. guest here at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Oh, oh, oh. Got to be your life for that. Oh, it feels so good. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. 
Oh, do really do appreciate uh, your listening and and retweeting and liking yes, and sharing, the Chris. So appreciate oh. it. And I'm uh, glad you are having fun with what we do. Love it. I love the you. format. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Somebody put the tape back on. His <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Who's that? You are. If it's dead silent. Oh, awkward be. pause. It's you, Pat. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, next, we got our favorite friend of the show, Clinton Robinson. Thanks to you, Clinton Robinson. And you can find Clinton at Coffee and Comics, and he's on Twitter at Coffee and Comics Blog. Yes, indeed. I want to give a shout out to Comics in the Golden Age. Appreciate it, Comics in the Golden Age. And next, we have Derek Butler. Thanks for listening, Derek. Then we have Douglas. Doug Douglas. If you couldn't get past Douglas, you're not going to get that last. <laughs> I, I know that's because my stuff. mind is thinking. What's the how to say the last name? On the last name. name. <laughs> yeah, it's Douglas Hedzig. I'd say I'd say I'd guess Hedzig. Okay. Yeah, but I think you're close. You're close. Yeah. 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 Oh, we appreciate it, Douglas. Yeah. Next up, we had Fred Reed's comics at Comics Fred. Reads them on the catwalk. On the <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say, yo, Joe, to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. I've heard they got some really, really good guest hosts on that show. <laughs> <Very good guest laughs> right. And next we have Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop at Gal Walks. Thanks for walking on to our podcast as well, Gal. Yeah, that's a very good comic from our very good podcast from Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Take a listen to that. Lots of fun. Uh, next week, is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's an awkward pause. Next we have Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, Hendrix from the Two True Freaks Network. Thank oh, you. I like this irony. Yeah, I love where this landed. Hey, it's Jerry Green. You can find him on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. Shout out to my podcast buddy. Oh. Hey, I love how that landed. It works out yeah, somehow. It's yeah. always some magical thing we do here with the rotation. I love it. Uh, I want to say thanks to Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG, listening to our podcast in Brightest Day and sometimes in Blackest Night. Next up, we have Herbert Williams at Herbster1966. Thanks for listening, Herb. Yes, and see how awesome this is as far as the rotation goes. Next, we have my best mate, Paul Hicks, reading Hicks from the Waiting to Doom podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for being my mate. Yeah, he owes me a hundred wallabuckaroos. <laughs> <laughs> got it. We got to get you on the show, Paul, so make sure you get contact. That's a lot of time zone changes, but yes. Oh. Speaking of that, we have to do this, and I'm going to insert it here because we brought up Paul Hicks. Paul Hicks is the winner of our last contest at the end. If you were listening, Jarrett was going to give away a what were you going to do, Jarrett? Okay, nothing. No prize. Paul was the first. <laughs> our very own no prize. Now <laughs> so we we had a contest. If someone sent in an audio clip comment, mm-hmm. and I said for the first person to send one in would get a free sketch. I was going to do a little, one of my little just a little sketch card for him. So. I probably need to get off my butt and do one for Paul Hicks. And then you got to mail it to to Australia. That's that's Thanks for the postage price, Paul. (laughs) Or or if he's fine, we'll just save until the next time he comes. Oh, I don't mind mailing it to him. And we can meet him up. I suspect I'll do a character from Doom Patrol. Let me pronounce that correctly. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Hey, Doom Patrol, eh? (laughs) Perfect. Do the negative, Shayla. Paul was the first one to send us in a voice clip. And so I'm going to play that right now because Paul's Paul's a fun guy. So he had some fun with it. So thank you, Paul, for uh, sending in our first voice message clip. 
and thanks for being the winner. Let's take a listen. It's Paul Hicks here. I've been listening to uh, Crusader Chronicles, and um, I realize it's um, most people are asleep, so I probably have a um, geographical advantage in getting into this competition. Uh, so please, please pick me. Pick me for the sketch. Um, yeah, um, good show. Very, very amusing. Um, I actually find you guys much easier to... Uh, understand you human now that I've met you all at Heroes Con, so that was fabulous. Um, but, you know, penguin joke, I've got one. Um, it's not really about a penguin, it's actually about a polar bear, but, it, I mean, it's, it's an arctic animal, so I think we're, we're right with that. Anyway, um, it, how do you catch a polar bear? Well, you get a pack of peas, and you lay it, you know, cut a hole in the ice, and then you lay out a trail of peas that goes out to the, uh, the, the hole, and uh, when the polar bear comes along, it starts eating all the peas. Uh, when it gets up to the edge of the hole, you kick it in the ice hole. Thank you very much. <laughs> ice hole. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> uh, that, Paul. Very good. All right, who's next on the Moving list? right along, we had Joe oh, Crawford at I Was Joe. Next up, we have Jonathan Schaefer Hames. I hate that guy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, he knows why. He knows why. He knows what he you know what you did, Jonathan. You know what you did. I don't know what you did, Jonathan, but you did something. I don't know. <laughs> it was on the um, G.I. Joe podcast. <laughs> and the next step we have Cam. Uh and if I mispronounce this, I'm sorry. Uh Motashemi. I like so it. If I was close, let me know, Cam. If not, correct me. Thanks for listening. Then we got Kurt Spencer at Big Army Five or Big Five Army. Thanks, Kurt for being a loyal listener. Thank you. Then we had Lauren Skintkiss Art with the exclamation point at Lauren Skintkiss Art. We got our friend the mag, M. Anthony Gerardo. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the always dapper Sir Martin of Grey. Thanks for listening, Martin. Oh, and if you're going to be a dapper guy, you might as well be as proud as Mike Peacock is. Thank you, Mike. Next up, we had Mr. Toon at Toon Style 1981. All right. Then we got Neil Layden. Thanks for listening and sharing, liking, and or retweeting, Neil. And then we have Nethead at Nethead. Thanks for listening, Nethead. Then Patrick R. Carey. Thank you, Pat. We also got a nice shout-out from Podcast Partners, and you can find them on Twitter at Podcast Partners. I get the honor of giving a shout out to Professor Frenzy of the Professor Frenzy Show. He's at Professor Frenzy. He's an owner of Hamilton versus Burr, a werewolf tale, which is a fine comic. Play that promo. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Next up, we have our good, good friends Darren and Ruth from Rad Adventures at Rad Adventures. Thanks for listening, Ruth and Darren. Then we got Reggie Reggie from the Cosmic Treadmill. Thanks, Reggie. Then we have Relatively Geeky. At relatively underscore geek. Next up, we've got Canadian. Di <clears throat> I mean, Ross Michaud at old school Ross. <laughs> I know it's we know it's we know it's you, Ross. Next up, we have Ruth Sutherland. Thanks for listening, Ruth. Then we got uh, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> it's okay, man. It's okay to get emotional about it. It's a good, it's a good podcast. It it's cry. a really good podcast. It makes me cry. Then we got Secret Wars and Beyond podcast with Sean Ross. Thank you, Sean. Next up, we have Seth Breeze at Seth Breeze. Giving a shout out to Steve Lawrence at Steve Lawrence 13. And then we have the Headcast Network. Thanks for listening. Then we have a new podcast out there called Married with Comics Podcast. Thank you guys for sharing. 
Next up, we have the uncanny Abel Pedzilla at Abel Pedzilla. That's fun to say. I get to give a shout out to Warlord Worlds. There are good friends over there at Warlord Worlds. We appreciate your warlording and your worlds. <laughs> <laughs> and next up, we have Xenozoic Xenophiles at Xenozoic Files. I can't help but notice that they didn't include Trekker Talk. Maybe they got tired of <laughs> Star Trek. You know, regardless, we're going to give a shout out to Trekker Talk, the best Star Trek podcast. That's right. Live long oh, and pro- no, no. prosper. Ron Randall, forgive them. <laughs> I, I to still say it's all about, you know, mountain hiking. Uh, but last but not least, we're going to say a thank you to Zach Sally. Thank you, Zach. Zach Sally, got to slow yes. those comments down. <laughs> ride. That's right. Uh, I do want to say a big thank you to all those that did do the likes, shares, and retweets on here. And thank you for everyone that listens to us do this as well, too. It may be long, and this one was a little bit longer, but we do really just want to show our appreciation to you for doing that and support. Yeah, and we do want to keep encouraging you to do an audio comment like Paul Hicks did. So where can they email that to, Pat? At contact at longboxcrusade. Contact at longboxcrusade.com. Send us an audio comment. We'd love to play it. Most definitely. Let's move to some of our favorite comments from last episode. We heard from Jonathan Schaefer Hames, who said, good episode. Smiley face emoji. Actually, he said good ep. He didn't even spell out episode. I don't think the enthusiasm was there. (laughs) But my hatred for John Schaefer Hames is well documented. (laughs) Well, it is now. (laughs) You know I'm kidding, John. We love you. Let's see. I'm going to have to go with a comment from our big fan and friend of the show, Dave Collins at Old Bid One, who simply wants to know, what's wrong with Aunt May on the cover? And I think that question came along with a picture of the modern Aunt May from the movies as played by Marissa Tomei. And let me answer that question. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing Nothing at at all. All All right. So I guess... I'm up next, and I've got one here from Rusty Shackelford at Rusty, what I list Rusty Shackelford, we'll just say. He says, great storyline. My older brother had gotten me a subscription to ASM and Fantastic Four, and this is one of the beautiful issues that came in the mail one blessed day. Good times. Which led me to a question, because I, I did have a direct order subscription to X-Men at one point in time. Anybody else ever direct order their, their comics from, from the publisher? I have not. I did. You did? Which one did you order? G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'm an answer for him. Is that right? Yep. Yep. G.I. Joe was my only order. Yeah, those were good times, man. I used to look forward to getting that in the mail. Anyway, memories. <laughs> I, I always wondered, did they come in good shape? Were they? Did they come in decent condition? Oh, don't get Jason started about. You know, yeah. most of the time, they mine come. came. Yeah, it didn't come in bad, but mine, my GI Joe came in is like a like a brown paper bag, just kind of wrapped around the front of it. He ordered it from a guy in a van down the street. Yeah. <laughs> That's how mine came in. It, it They had it wrapped tight, so the ends were still kind of open as well, too. So you could slide it in and out. See, mine came, it, it yeah. came in, in a clear plastic kind of cellophane thing, and then it had a kind of a cheap, flimsy backing on it. My problem wasn't with Marvel. My problem was with the mailman who would, would like crush it down and bend it to stick it into the mailbox. And then one time he left it like half out and it rained and, and it, 
it, and he had mm-hmm. split the plastic so the rain got into the mm-hmm. into the comic and yeah. No. Sad stuff. Yeah, all right. yeah. Yeah. I'd be standing by that mailbox just screaming, looking up at the sky, going, No nah! Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I, I I I just did it for a year, but it was still fun. It was fun to get it in the mail. I saw Rusty's comment there and then it triggered those memories. Yeah. yeah. I think I had mine for two years and then after that I was able to find a comic book shop at that time and I just went and grabbed it there then. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing, too. For my comment, I'm going to find one from Amish Baby Machine. And Amish Baby Machine writes us and says, Was Aunt May's marriage to Doc Ock annulled? Is anybody no, they're still that? going at it like two horny teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thanks to everybody for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help spreading the word about this podcast. Once again, hit us up a review on iTunes. And we'd love to get another audio comment. So just record your comment and email it to us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Someone needs to close the show. Pat, why don't you close the show? And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where the posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a thanks to Jared, Jason, and Delvin for being on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason? Thanks, Pat. Yeah, I'm at Weasel Skull on Twitter, and I'm at Jason Albrick, and Albrick is spelled A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H, or Rich on Facebook and on Instagram. Jared, how about you? I have an AOL account. <laughs> you've got mail you can find me on twitter at yard sale artists i'm also on facebook at yard sale artists and you know what if you like this crew and you like our banter we've got that james bond show so come check out on her majesty's secret podcast uh yes yes we do delvin how about you i am on twitter at d-e-e underscore r-a-y one nine seven seven come chat with me where can they find you pat oh well delvin i'm glad you asked i can be found on the twitter at cristato zero one I can also be found on Candy Crush Saga at Christatos. Still looking for some friends to join me. And also on Hades. You know you can find me on Christatos Farm. Come and find me and play. <laughs> you know what we haven't we haven't trolled for for a long time? Recipes. What is that, Jerry? Recipes. Recipes. Ah. Send us a dang recipe, people. I'll yes. eat it on and recording and give you a review. So far we've well, got the one. Preparing. Canadian Daredevil shared with us a recipe recipe for poutine. Oh, he did. I think was it Jason? Jason oh, was gonna make know. that one. So I'm putting the onus on Jason to get that poutine. Oh, okay. Down. Where's that recipe for poutine right. at? Well, I we gotta find it. that again. I have it. Okay. I still, ha- I still have it. All right. All right. Well, still keep them coming. Keep those recipes coming. I guess I better make some poutine. Uh, we hope. <laughs> Why don't you help us, folks, as we are trying to build a recipe book for Christmas? <laughs> There's nothing like a piece of poutine. Except maybe the Indy 500. Well, the Indy 500, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so help us build up our recipe book with your recipes and of the podcast and listening community out there that listen to the podcast. So we'd like to get Longbox Crusade recipes to warm your <laughs> Uh, but also, you can also find us out on Twitter at, at Longbox Crusade and also on Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Uh, we also do another show that is called Saturday Matinee Theater. 
Jason, why don't you give us a little information on that? Saturday Matinee Theater is a podcast in which Pat, Jared, and I, and sometimes guests, we review the old black and white movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, movies, television programs, serials, that type of thing. And we are currently journeying through the world of Sherlock Holmes from the 1950, was it, help me out, 54? Is that right, guys? 54, a series of Sherlock Holmes. And we're having a great time. We chat about it, make our jokes as normal. We've enjoyed the track and hope you will join along with us. Very good. Thank you, Jason, for that impromptu (laughs) explanation. Thank you. With that then, folks, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question? Leave us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page. But until next time, take care, and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to... Read them all. Read them all. Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I M 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Whoop, whoop. Hello? Whoop, whoop. Just realized my mic wasn't plugged in, but it is now. My mic sounds nice, check one. My mic sounds nice, check two. <laughs> check, baby, check, baby, one, two, three, four. Check, baby, check, baby, one, two, three. Check, baby, check, baby, one. It's called the wrong thing. Donde es mi hermano? Mi hermano no es aquí. Donde es Jason? Where is he? I have not heard a peep from him. I'm thinking he forgot our shit or something. No way. He doesn't respond to any texts. He may be dead. He is not dead. This may be something. Uh, I'm going to start his funeral arrangements. Hang on. <laughs> there he is. Jason's here. He's here on via, via chat. That's okay. not how we do the show. <laughs> it's not a text-based program. <laughs> Maybe we can. And Jason says, uh, too many words. Blah. Etc. Etc. Deus machina is <laughs> Pope in the pool. I'm, oh what? man, I thought you were dead. Speaking to he's the dead. mic. Oh, he's oh. Gone. dead. All right, he left. That's it. Looks like show's over. The, the cats have finally taken over. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Like, like he comes back on himself. It's like, <laughs> like what the hell? Is this? They're like, our time is meow. <laughs> Have you been eating a lot of cotton candy? Oh. Ho-hos. Mm. Ding-dongs. Strawberry. <laughs> Fruit pies. Chili. <laughs> Lemon cream. Jason. Yeah, yeah. This is Jason. <laughs> this is Jason. Oh, there he is. There, there he is. is. There's some deus machina poking the pool thing going on here. I don't know what's happening. Uh, it's Why is it always funnier when Pat gives <laughs> than anybody else? It's so special when Pat does it. Yeah, that means I love you. <laughs> Malikalikimaka. Malikalikimaka. Or is that no? That's not. But, that's Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> that's Merry Christmas. And he's gone again. Oh, he must yeah. have been not like that. Oh. Oh. He's gonna have to reset all this shit. All this shit is broken. <laughs> That's just Delvin's professional technical advice. It is. It is. That was, that, was, <laughs> that was some high quality technical shit right there. I hope y'all appreciated that. <laughs> People pay a lot of money for that. Uh, Spider Man may not get a senior citizen's discount, but his aunt may. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, no. I was so proud of it. I was like, this is so gloriously bad. <laughs> Oh man! You're right there, yeah, Pat. I'm, I'm all right. Pat, the, you have to want to live. Yeah, I know. I know right, that's step right. one. You have to have the want. Right. Come with me if you want to live. Pat, I don't. <laughs> I think I it's speak not for a all tumor. of us when we. <laughs> I speak for all of us, Pat, when I say we need an editor. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it'd be like the Peter Jackson. Long box crusade. <laughs> 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 Director's cut, unedited. There we go. Number two cool. report. Um, Acquisitions guys... in the Florida Keys are up seven percent. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> sorry. Just look at this I, big I chart on the spe- wall that I made. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of a Spectre meeting, you know. Pat, on the contrary, I've already it? looked at that. Damn it, <laughs> That is poor. <laughs> you have failed me, number two. <laughs> I shall keep we do not I shall tolerate of you. This is why we're up till two. Come into the pool. The Pope is muting. I am muting. I also am going to mute. So am I. Pat, you can't. Who's doing the pro? <laughs> <laughs> One meaning it didn't uh, tickle your tub. It. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 well. I, I shouldn't help you out because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, maybe you should. What's culture? <laughs> and stuff. I'm, 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 I make pee and fart jokes. <laughs> I wear my regular jeans. And when I do, <laughs> I make go podcasts. 